1: Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, Very excited to talk to a gentleman today who uh, it's funny. I was going to make a joke that he that he disproves the theory that everybody shows up to training camp in the best shape of their lives because he has just come <laughs> from what apparently was a scintillating workout <laughs> Uh, B reporter for The Athletic, Fred Katz, uh, are you, how many minutes of this
2: podcast will you be sweating for? About 20, 30? I mean, the average podcast, I'm sweating for about 40. So this one, I'm going to say it could be longer.
1: Uh, I'm sweating too. We're both sweating. I'm sweating because I hustled home from picking up my my youngest from daycare um, and felt awful about that I was leaving you hanging because we're, we're starting this a little bit delayed. But I, now I don't feel bad because you got in a workout. So it's fine.
2: It's fine. And by a workout, if you just mean a long walk in the 80 degree weather, which which uh, turned my face red, then then yeah. I mean, look, SNY tweeted out a video of a Josh Hart media availability yesterday. And the first Twitter reply was, did Fred gain weight over the summer? So, you know, got to go for some long walks, at least it's showing right in the first day of training camp.
1: I'm not gonna well i I can't say it was the reason I did this, but i I periodically do kick myself in the ass in terms of staying in shape so I got up this morning at five thirty and went for a a four mile run and then uh i was I came back just as the like the sun was coming up so I went up on my my building's roof and did some some additional exercises i was I was really i was a go a go getter this morning
2: um I don't know why I had to lovely i always forget there's a video element to this and i'm like oh i should be presentable you're very presentable but you know
1: know, i'm i'm the one who's not presentable i haven't shaved in in several days all right uh that's because they don't have razors
2: in the woods you know they have axes though you'll you'll play the part better like you know nobody wants to see you clean shaven can't even imagine you clean shaven i think it would make me uncomfortable
1: no, not clean shaven, but I do trim the beard. Uh, but it, I usually do it in conjunction with the haircut. All right, we're going to move on uh, to talking about the basketball team that <laughs> is in training camp where you are. Actually, no, sorry. One other, one other nonsense question. It's not quite a nonsense question, but like, so it's funny. You, I think you compared uh, in one of our the ways that we communicate Charleston to um, Savannah, right? As like a, a yeah. Yeah, so I've been Savannah. I've never been to Charleston. So like give me give me the vibe check on Charleston. Like what's it like? Give me
2: what- I'm a fan. Yeah. It's super like- charming. Yeah. I okay. mean, when I compared it to Savannah, Georgia, I like it's like a it's like a similar sort of vibe and uh, it's much bigger. So okay. it's like super charming. The architecture is really charming. The streets are really nice to walk around. Like I'm into it. Good vibes on the water, good weather, good food. I'm is, into it. Is should I it, should I do this? Should I do this what? podcast like I'm like a NBA player who just came out of like uh, one of Tibbs's 18 minutes straight second halves? Just just here. It's funny we we just mentioned should Mello before. That?
1: Mello had the thing where he would like he does he did the towel around the head right, and then with mm-hmm. the, zip, the thing zipped up. Yeah.
2: Well, you know you when like mellow was when Mello was in OKC, he didn't use team towels when he was on the bench. No, he Get used his town. own number seven mellow towel when he was on the bench that's a guy noticed it and i always wanted to do a story on it and uh it was difficult for me to get him one-on-one because mellow was like kind of just like he had gotten to the point in his career mellow was actually great to cover but he, he'd gotten to the point of his of his career where like he just wasn't like he was going to talk to you and chill with you. And then when it was time to do media, he was like, ah, nah. And so I, I kind of noticed it at the end of the year. And I, then they made the playoffs. So it's hard to get that kind of stuff in the playoffs. So I never yeah. got to do the story, but I always wanted to do the story on Mellow's number seven towel. That's good. <laughs> That's yeah.
1: You have to sneak that into your, your eventual uh, Russ book as like an
2: addendum or something. Russ was there.
1: Maybe maybe Russ had something to do with the towels. Who knows? Um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, tra- training camp in Charleston, South Carolina, where you presently are. Um, any should fans read anything to the fact that they are getting out of town for for this training camp? Do you have any any thoughts on it? No,
2: no. I mean, it's not the first time the Knicks organization has gone to. Charleston, yeah, obviously uh, to to do training camp. Like they like it down here. As they used to do it in the in like the nineties, even they would come down Power to Raleigh, Charleston. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so they, I I think it's it's just that like it's a nice place to be. It's good weather. Tibbs said the other day he thinks it's good for team bonding to get on the road. Uh, you know, part of the reason why they hadn't done it the last few years was just kind of like COVID sort of stuff making oh. things logistically difficult. Uh, I think Tibbs generally likes to go away for, for training camp and a lot of teams will do it. I don't think half the league does it, but I don't know, maybe 10 teams are on the road for training camp. So, so I think I, I mean, it's, there's nothing to read into. I think it's just, they like doing it and kind of gets rid of distractions and gets them ready to go. it's kind of like a little, it's also can be like a little vacation, you know, like they're here, they're checking out restaurants. Like it makes them feel kind of isolated. Like they're still kind of away. It's a nice transition.
1: What's the is there standard NBA beat writer protocol for if you see a team or like several players from team out, uh, or does it change by team
2: or even like by player? Oh, it changes by player. Oh, it changes by player. So, okay. so when I was in when I was in OKC, I this is a great one. And I don't think he'll care that I'm telling this story. So when right, I was, right. when I was, when actually I'm certain he won't care that I'm telling this story. So when I was in OKC, uh, OKC is small. Like there's, there's one club that you go to and maybe it was two and there's one bar that you go to no, and that's stop it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of it. I mean, there aren't literally, there isn't literally only one bar. But like at the, the time, I'm bar, single. Though. You know, I'm like I'm single, and it's like you're gonna go out downtown on a on a Friday night, and you want to go have a fun time with a couple of friends. Like, yeah. you go to either one bar or like one club, and maybe a second club is gonna be decent on a decent night. And that's that's kind of it. So when I would go out on Friday Saturday nights, I would see players all the time because okay. there's a they only really got two places to pick from if they want to go out
1: and, and, and
2: there were, and there were some players who I'd, who I'd see out and they, you know, turn, turn away immediately. Uh, there's some players who you see out, you kind of just do the head nod. And I'm like, cause, cause I always interpret like when they see me out, first of all, they don't know if I'm going to like, write Like, Oh, this guy was out the night before a game and then yeah. rip them, which I don't do that. I think that's corny. Uh, and secondly, I just feel like there's kind of like a same element of like, if you're out and you may see like your teacher out, you know, like when I was, when I was, <laughs> when I was, uh, 18, I was at a bar and I saw oh a teacher at this bar. Uh, oh no, it was 19 It was my freshman year of college. I saw a teacher at this bar and I was horrified and I was like, totally fine like but i was horrified you know um and so i always feel like i give the players the benefit of the doubt if they feel that way you're however
1: good, that's because you're a good guy
2: however there are some guys who are completely and utterly shameless uh and the one who comes to mind for me is andre robertson oh who, yes that's great have i told this story on this podcast or told it Not to you individually?
1: If you're not, I don't remember if you've done either of those things. So please tell away.
2: So I was, I go to this club with my, with my buddy, Jeremy, and we're trying to get a drink at the bar. And it's just like two dudes trying to get a drink at the bar. So obviously we're unable to get a drink at the bar and we're waiting. And then a waitress comes over and says, excuse me, I believe these two, these, these four Patron shots are for you. I said, we didn't order any Patron shots. I think you brought it to the wrong person. And she says, oh, no, that that gentleman at the table in the back uh, had them sent over to you. And we look at the table in the back, and it's Andre Robertson there, standing up and eagerly waving with the biggest smile on his face. And we pick up the Patron shots, and we give a little toast from across the room. And that's it. And my favorite part of that story is not that some players see the beat writer and just like turn away when Andre was sending us shots. It was that Andre sent us two shots per person, per person. That's, <laughs> that's
1: the best. I, that was not lost on me as you were telling. This yeah. Story.
2: Yeah. So uh, that was, uh, that was so, so, you know, it just depends and, on the individual.
1: And my guess is that I, I, we've already cast enough aspersions on o- Oklahoma city. Uh, but my guess is Patron was probably the tippity top shelf uh, tequila that they had
2: at that establishment. So yeah. I, I, I couldn't, tell you, I would, I would imagine that is plausible <laughs> <laughs>
1: now that we're done crapping on America's, but I don't, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, you should, we should go back together and, and check it out. Maybe Andre, other- Andre,
2: one time after media availability, Andre was great with reporters. He was great with reporters. He was always a great interview, always willing, never turned down an interview, thoughtful, smart cool. dude, great sense of humor. And he was, he was great to cover. And there was only one time where he was a bad like a legitimately bad interview was like kind of rude to us it was the last day before the all-star break and it was after the game and they had won and yeah. eric horn who was covering oklahoma uh was covering the thunder for the oklahoman at the time eric and i uh wanted to talk to andre after the game so we kind of pulled him to the side and andre just like shrugs his shoulders and sheepishly walks over to us and we were like, that's weird. And we started asking Andre some questions and Andre just gives one word answers every time. One word answer, one word answer. He's looking down. He's antsy after like a minute. We're both just like, "You oh, no man, you can go. And we were like, something must've happened with him or whatever. We say, you know what, man, you can go. And Andre just pumps his fist and goes Cabo baby and runs out of the locker room i mean listen i
1: don't blame i mean i wonder i'm assuming he had a flight at his particular time unless i don't know Is andre is andre robertson is not at private was not at private jet level salary i don't think at least He might have been i mean you <laughs> well, know. well yeah I, don't, I have no concept of what private jet cost who the hell I don't, I don't know
2: andre um, made andre made that was on a 30 million dollar contract yeah, Andrew. I mean, Andrew just messaged the general chat. So dot 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 the Knicks question mark? No. Okay. Here's I think, how we I think Now is when we get into Isaiah Stewart talk.
1: Hey, listen, man. I don't think I was going to touch on uh, Monty Williams' uh, comments today about his backup bigs. No, I'm I'm just doing that to scare Andrew. Um, here, this is our transit. Well, what this is this is exceptional podcasting here. How's this for a transition? Which Nick do you think would be most likely to send you over? Uh, four shots of patron, you and a buddy. Four shots, of patron. If they saw you out, James Dolan. <laughs>
2: That's
1: the correct answer. Um, so you, you, just. I like how Andrew uh, Andrew just changed your name. Uh, so you just wrote about the Knicks, the, the team that we're allegedly here to podcast about. Uh, specifically, you wrote about their offense, which I thought was a great kind of like first article of training camp piece to write because we talk about all sorts of of things and I, I think it's weird because like we've all just kind of accepted the fact that that this was the it's it's still it's staggering to say the third best offense in the league last year against all odds, because as you talk about in the piece, I'm just going to kind of leave it open for you to to take it anywhere you want. But as you mentioned a few times in the piece, this was not a team that could hit shots. And their fact they could not hit shots ultimately came back to bite them in the ass in the playoffs. But like, I, I do think it is a really, really good thing to kind of as a jumping off point because their defense was not good last year. And I'm not sure we have any reason to think that their defense is going to get that much better. So not to start off on a down note, but like if they can't replicate the offense or something close to it, well then, you know, we might be talking about it, a a team that might, you know, fall short of expectations. So take it away. What are your, what are your thoughts there?
2: I left the article very open-ended. I didn't really have a conclusion on, okay, so the Knicks will be top three again, or the Knicks won't be quite as good, but they'll still be really good. Or they're about to fall off because they own the shooting or whatever. Number one, because I don't think it's for me to say, and I'm not an opinion columnist. And number two, because I don't really know. Like, I think the question is interesting enough. Like, their offense was so good last year in the regular season. And there are so many reasons why it might not be that level. You know, if Julius Randle isn't all NBA level, that's going to be. Something. If teams realize, okay, they kind of caught people by surprise last year, and now Jalen Brunson's not going to do that. Or now, okay, we watched what even the Cavs did against the Knicks' offense during that first round series, and we watched what Miami did against them in that second round series, and that's giving us a better understanding of how to guard this offense that was really good. Maybe somebody figures out some kind of way to make Mitchell Robinson a little less devastating on the boards. Uh, maybe the fact that they have a bunch of playmakers means other guys handling the ball a little bit more means more turnovers than they had last year. Like there are a million reasons why the offense might not be historically great. Honestly, like it was last year. (laughs) However, like Crinton Grimes is 23. He should get better. RJ Barrett's 23. Like quick manual quickly is 24.
1: Can we say not for a sec? Getting worse. You reported something on quickly, specifically in your last column, which I'll I'll leave it to you to say right now about what the team internally maybe thinks about him this year.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that, I mean, he, there's optimism about the season that he's about to have, I think. I don't think people were discouraged about the playoffs that he had last year. I've spoken about it with people and, and it basically gets the same sort of reaction every time, which is he's inexperienced. He was 23 years old, young players can struggle in the playoffs and the experience is going to work. I I had somebody tell me they would be shocked if quickly didn't come back better player this year than he was last year. Uh, So, so I, I don't see why, I I don't think that's a crazy way to think like dude's 24 years old, good work ethic, cares about the right things. So I I don't see why he is going to fall off. He's, he's had pretty steady progression. In terms of his intelligence and the way that he plays the game, his defense got better from year one to year two to year three, his patience in the pick and roll got better from year one to year two to year three. That's a good trajectory. Uh, I, I, I don't see why we should be saying last year was just the ceiling on what he can possibly be. And, and, and while I was, um, I don't want to say disappointed. That makes me sound like a father, but I was, I was surprised by his playoffs. I, I, I thought that he was oh, so going to be good for them in the playoffs, even though small guards can struggle there. I thought he was going to be good for them and, and he struggled. And, uh, even with that being the case, it doesn't necessarily have to affect your opinion of the player long term. That can just be what happened in the playoffs. And that was it.
1: I want to get back to quickly, uh, in a moment, but just on the shooting thing, before we move on from that, like the only, Player who you say, well, that's definitely going to come down in terms of their percentage from last year from three specifically is Josh Hart. But then if you balance that out with the fact that this team also had Cam Reddish and Evan Fournier in their rotation for, you know, I don't know, Cam was probably an actual rotation player, probably a little bit less than the 20 games that he played and Fournier was obviously less than the 27 he played because he got in garbage time, but like they still played a lot of minutes in the early season for, for the Knicks last year. Oh, I, how could I forget about Derek Rose who got into 27 games? Those guys shot uh, 30, 30 and 30, all of them shot 30% from three. And that they, you know, those were all rotation players at one point in time. Um, so I feel like maybe those three kind of balance out heart shooting in obscene 51% from two. And obviously he's not going to shoot that again. And then like everybody else, like you just mentioned quickly, quickly shot 37% from three. I don't think it's crazy to think quickly could get up to, I don't know. Can he get up to 39%, 40% from three? I don't think that's nuts. People, I mean, well, I want to talk about Grimes also in a second. He was at 38.6%. I think that could go up. And then the guy you mentioned explicitly in the piece today who made some um some good comments on the record. Uh, I guess it was yesterday as we're recording this. Julius Randall only shot thirty four point three percent. So like, I don't know. Do, of those of those three guys I just mentioned, and I, we should also mention RJ Barrett shot thirty one percent from three of those four. Barrett, Randall, Quickly, and Grimes. Who do you like? Well, you just said they have high hopes for Grime for Quickly. Do you think that they expect Randall? And RJ specifically, because those are the two fundamental core pieces, right? That make their offense easy to guard that nobody respects. Do you think they think either of those guys are going to get better?
2: I think with Julius, I think they think the three-point shooting kind of is what it is. Because, yeah, he's 34%, but he did it on eight-plus attempts a game. And a lot of pull-ups. you pull know, he And a lot of pull-ups. I mean, he was taking like over three. I think he took over three pull-ups a game last year.
1: That's why right. I yeah
2: took like five catch and shoots and about three and a half pull-ups a game. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, he was like 10th or 12th
1: or whatever it was in, in threes per game attempted. So it was insane.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so when you're gonna take more threes, the percentage is gonna be a little bit less. Could he shoot 36, 37 and take six a game? Sure. Probably. Probably. The Knicks don't want that though. They want him taking
1: eight like a that. game.
2: They they know. Like that's a big Tibbs thing. Like he he wants Randall taking as many threes as possible. I'm telling you, there is no time that Julius Randall could come away. There's no number of threes that Julius Randall could come away <laughs> with in a game that Tibbs would say that's too many. Uh, now now there might be times when he goes and he looks at the film and he sees. Oh, you had a driving lane or there was a guy who had opened under the basket. That was a bad but shot. That's different. You double teamed or whatever. That's different. Yeah. There's there's no time that Tibbs is going to look at the box score and see 14 threes for Julius Randle and think anything other than good. I'm glad he's chucking those things up. He knows how important that is for the offense. He talks about it all the time. And I know internally he talks about it all the time too. That's huge for him. I I don't think. I don't really expect much different as a three point shooter from Randall. Uh RJ, we just kind of have to wait and see. Personally, Personal. as those four, if I had Fred's to opinion one, now, folks. Fred's opinion. In my opinion, if I if I had to bet on which one was going to improve his three point percentage this year, I would probably do the not advisable thing and choose the guy who shot the highest percentage last year. Grimes I think I would choose Grimes. I'm just waiting for Grimes to shoot 40 from 3. I'm just waiting on it. At some point during this preseason I'm going to write a Grimes story. It's like that dude has 40% form, he has a 40% release, he has he has totally repeatable fundamentals. I'm just waiting. He gets the types of looks that'll get him 40. Like he's he he just really is getting Catch and shoot looks on the move. Looks worked out with JJ Redick. I was about to all say you were in
1: the, you were in the scrum when he was talking about working out with JJ. Yeah, he actually. On that?
2: Yeah, sure. He actually, uh you know, I spoke to him for a second after the the scrum, and he told okay. me that like he he hit up JJ on his own because he thinks that JJ is one of the five best shooters of all time. And specifically, what he said, but was it wasn't really about the shooting. And I thought this was like a really smart point by him it was, he said it wasn't about the shoot, shooting even. It was It was really about the conditioning because Redick is notoriously, unbel- he was un- notoriously unbelievably conditioned. Uh, he was famous for pregame, what he would do. And I asked Quentin about this uh, when he mentioned the conditioning. Redick was famous for pregame. Like his people show up early and they watch Stephen Curry's pregame routine and that's all mm-hmm. fine and good. I used to like showing up early and watching JJ Reddick's when I was covering a team that was playing against JJ Reddick's. That's because Reddick, because Reddick pregame does his pregame routine like full on game speed. And if you remember how he played, he was just constantly running those tracking stats that show how many miles you're running in a game. Like he was running the most miles on offense per 36 minutes of anyone in the league by far. Like, he is constantly on the move and he's he would exhaust defenses just totally and completely exhaust them. And so I thought it was really interesting that Quinton said that it was as much about the conditioning why he wanted to work with Reddick as it was the shooting. And he spoke super highly of him. He said they worked on a lot of off-ball stuff, a lot of running around pin down stuff, a lot of footwork stuff. Uh shots that he said he was he was going to be working on. I I I thought it was I thought it was really interesting, Uh, and I was, I, I was, I'm just waiting on it, man. Like he's got the fundamentals. I'm just waiting on that forty. He dude's a forty percent three point shooter.
1: Like he, he, he it's impossible for him not to be. And I think it's gonna. I agree with you.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed.
2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: You know, it's funny. You talk about him going, seeking out JJ. He also, correct me if I'm wrong, has spent a lot of time with Penny uh, Hardware yes. the last couple of years, right? Like, And and
2: again, again, this summer as well.
1: And again, this summer. He like, to. Talk, I mean, probably tried to say like, well, he does all the right things this dude really seems like he is doing like everything possible to put himself to be in the best position possible, to be a really good NBA player and and let's say maximize his talent. I feel like he is the default answer. When I talk to, uh, you know, other fans, you know, either through through whatever means that like, who's the guy that's going to break out this year. And my response always is like, how is where is the usage going to come from? And then I think to myself, well, again, we got we. I, I don't. We don't have to spend too long on the minutes log jam because I don't know what there was to say about it. But like, you know, you've done the math. I've done the math. We've all done the math. Like, so someone is. There are going to be players who are good players that we really like. Who are going to be sitting and looking at the box score after the game. It's like, oh, that guy played twenty two minutes tonight. Like, there's a it's part less that- than
2: that. Or or maybe less. We're going to look at it and be like, someone, we're going to look at it and be like, wow, that dude's playing 15 minutes. And
1: I... There is a part of me over the summer that wondered, even as I'm so high on Quentin Grimes, I could not be higher. Like, I'm wondering myself, could could it be Grimes? Like they just signed Di Vincenzo? Like God, Tibbs loves heart. We just talked about Emmanuel quickly. RJ is RJ. And it's like by default, I'm almost wondering, and I hope not. And I'm wondering, can he play himself out of potentially being that guy? And I was, I think he can, but I don't know.
2: I think he can too. However, I think when you when you list players Tibbs loves. Grimes on the list has to Tibbs be. Tibbs loves Grimes. Tibbs loves Grimes. Tibbs has always loved Grimes. Uh, so I don't know how it's going to go. I I am very I'm I'm confident that Grimes is going to go in as the starter. Tibbs all but said that. I should on, have noted you Monday. reported that. Yeah, yeah. I I reported that before, and 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 Tibbs basically all but said that on on media day, and that's the way it should be. I mean, it is absolutely. That starting lineup was really good last year. There were plus seven per 100 possessions. Uh, you say, where's the usage going to come from for him to break out? Yeah. I will. You want to say dis- something? Yeah. I will disagree with your premise. Please. Does the usage need to change all that much for him to break out? He, he took six threes a game last year. If yes. he plays the same amount of time as he did last year, 30 minutes a game or around that number. Which might.
1: Which might be hard, but continue. It be
2: hard. However, if they use him as, if he becomes the guy for them on sure. the perimeter. Sure. He'll play that many. Like whoever is the guy on the perimeter. And both. Ends. That's the guy you who's going to play. play. Yes. Yes. Guarding. For
1: sure. Guarding the opposing team's uh, primary initiator, assuming they're on the smaller side. And then, yes. And sh- okay. But look,
2: you. when we talk about the playing time crunch, really what we're talking about is quickly Grimes, DiVincenzo, Hart, RJ. Yes, those are the right? five. Yes. Because exactly. we know Hartenstein and Mitch are playing 48 minutes at center. We know Randall is going to play 35 ish minutes. And we know Brunson is going to play 35 ish minutes. So yes. those are the guys who we're talking about. Those five, right? Yep. Whoever is the guy in terms of like Tibbs saying, this is the one who I trust guarding the other team's best player. That's the one who's going to play in those closing moments the most, I think. We kind of saw that sort of mentality seep into how they operate during the Miami series, right? Because Tibbs trusted Josh Hart on Jimmy Butler more than he trusted Quentin Grimes on Jimmy Butler. And that even led to Tibbs having Hart become the starter for the beginning of that series. Until eventually he deviated from it. And then Grimes ended up playing like 48 minutes in game five of that series. However, if Grimes shows up this year and he's really good guarding point guards and he's really good guarding twos, and they've put him on big wings, like he was guarding Pascal Siakam in moments last year, and they have him guarding wings and they're comfortable in that, Grimes has a chance to be the one who closes the most often. And he has a leg up on any of those other guys, which is that I think. Of the crew, he's the best shooter of the ones who you would think about guarding wings. So that that that. Though I'm specifically referring to R.J. DiVincenzo and and Hart. DiVincenzo can shoot too, but he's had down shooting seasons as well. Uh, I think I think Grimes is probably the better catch and shoot guy. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him.
1: I'm fascinated by it. The the two numbers I'm looking at here. I thought you were going in a different direction before in terms of where the shots are going to come from. Grimes took uh, 10 field goal attempts per 10.2 per 36 minutes, um, seven of which were threes. So obviously, massively high percentage of threes. I don't expect the percentage of his total shot diet to be threes to change. I'm sure it's going to be somewhere around 60, 70, 75%. And then there's RJ Barrett, 17.1%. Shots per thirty six minutes. That's where I thought you were going. Is it maybe some RJ shots? Assuming they continue to share the starting lineup, which I have, we have no reason to believe that they won't.
2: So maybe I, uh, it, it could. It could.
1: I
0: sound like Tibs.
2: I sound like Tibbs. That's You're true. Too much. That's could true. Be. I remember last year Julius said something that was like an ultimate Tibsism, and and one of us caught him was like, you know, that's a Tibbs phrase. He was like, oh man, it is a Tibbs phrase. Like he's, he seeps into all of our minds. Yeah. I, I will say on RJ, I think there's a world where RJ is the odd man out in crunch time a decent amount this year, depending on how he plays. He was the odd man out in crunch time a lot that last month of the regular season. And then he had a wonderful postseason run. He did he had a really, really good postseason run. And he didn't deserve to be the odd man out during the postseason. He was one of their best players during the postseason. He he was he he earned that spot back. But 100%. I don't think in year five, with this team trying to win as much as possible, and with a coach who's a maniacally competitive dude and who loves Josh Hart and who loves Grimes. And who, as much as, you know, people on the outside maybe criticize the way that he handled quickly early, like Tibbs is a big quickly guy. Like he's, he's really into quickly. He thinks quickly is a really good player. And so like, I just, it's not like Tibbs is secretly out on any of these other options. And if RJ shows up and he's shooting 31% and he's not necessarily shooting a high percentage around the rim and the offense is more clogged. I, and, and the defense is what it was during the regular season last year. Cause one of the things that I think gets mm-hmm. ignored somewhat uh, is that while his offense was much better in the postseason, his defense was a lot better in the postseason. Like he did a good job on Darius Garland. It was way better. So, so, you know, if RJ looks more like regular season RJ last year, and now you've got these good options, Steven Chenzo, good player heart, good player. And he's there for the whole year. Now Quentin Grimes, good player. Like I, I, I could see RJ, I'm, I'm not predicting a benching of RJ, but yeah, I could see I crunch times without RJ happening more than you think this year.
1: It's, I want to ask, uh, uh, I'll just,
2: the minutes much, have got to go somewhere, man.
1: No, I know. I'm uh, what I'm They, gonna, didn't, what I was they gonna, didn't
2: pay the MLE to Dante DiVincenzo for him to play 15 minutes.
1: No, they did not. And he's going to be good too. Like, I know you didn't mention like Tibbs loves DiVincenzo, but Tibbs loves those sorts of players who do the things yeah. that Dante DiVincenzo does um i don't know man i i i always wonder with rj when he is going through times where he's struggling and the team the two uh, i mean i don't know if you're gonna say to their credit but i'm gonna say to their credit they have never really wavered they have always given him the time they have always given him the shots they have always they've never taken obviously they have never taken him out of the starting lineup um i i wonder what if again, I I see people are gonna see Macri hates RJ. I don't even want to put this out there because uh, you put it out there, so I'll blame you. You put it out there. Like who
2: said if, Macri hates RJ? Jesus Christ!
1: If there <laughs> is, if <laughs> other players are playing well, I don't know RJ, what's
2: going on with this.
1: Are we live? Are we yes, live right now? A, we're absolutely live right now. Um, oh man! And RJ is struggling. How much do you think the behind the scenes conversations will? focus on things other than what is going on on the court like do you do you think they still because at one point he was obviously the crown jewel of the organization and did, like has that changed does that matter like I don't even know what question to ask because all of this is very unclear to me
2: yeah I know what you mean at some point where you drafted a guy has to stop mattering and I'm not Detroit. Saying- let's talk about the Pistons. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not saying talk? that rj is going to be like on the outs with the knicks that's not what i'm saying to be clear. but he's on a second contract now and and i'm not even saying they sh- that there's no possibility of development like he's 23 he's very young he's young like he is he is young like like step Bondi bondy because he he looks like he's just like Being next to him today and talking to him for a little bit, he he looks like he's in really good shape. He looks he looks like very cut right now, I would say. And not like bulky, like like cut. And Bondi noticed it. Bond Bondi of the post now. We have a new B O T P. Oh yeah. Didn't even have to change the acronym. That's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bondi said that's all people have said to him since he moved over to the post. But but Bondi noticed it and he was going to ask him about it. And he kind of started the question by saying like, RJ, you're in your prime now. And RJ interrupted him. I was like, I'm on my prime. I'm 23. It's like, I'm young. I'm 23. Bondi was like, yeah, I guess, I guess so. You've just been around forever. So everyone kind of forgets it. And RJ is right. He's 23. Uh, guys get better at at 23. Actually, Bondi's response was, uh, "I don't know. 23 was my physical peak, and then it was all downhill," which was a phenomenal response. But I I I I think there there is room for RJ to grow, and and we shouldn't be assuming that this just is who he is all the well, way. I'm not, and you're not either. However, no, I'm not. However, if he shows up the same player that he was last year, they have look. They have a lot of good players. Like, that's just, this is a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have. This is a good problem. Knicks have a lot of good basketball players. Like, their, their ninth best player is good.
0: Whoever it Whoever is. you
2: think their ninth best player is. <laughs> yeah. Whoever you think it is. Their yeah. ninth best player is good.
1: Their 10th best player single, is, is pretty good.
2: Yeah. Every single player in their rotation is good. Yeah. And um, so that's a that's a good problem to have. But what's going to happen is you're going to look at some stuff and then you're going to see, holy crap, this guy played 14 minutes, but it's, you know, only so many well, to go around.
1: What it's going to do. Yeah. W- what it's going to do. And I don't, I don't know if they care about this stuff. Uh, well, two things. One thing it's going to do is if the homegrown players, so RJ quickly grimes, if those guys uh, see the short end of the minutes thing and they are not winning, you know, uh somewhat consistently, or if, you know, God forbid they they go on a three game losing streak or something and like, you know, Emmanuel quickly averages twenty three minutes I'm just picking a name out of a hat, twenty three minutes a game during that time. Like fans are gonna be all over Tibbs, obviously, which has been a, a consistent theme. What I'm I don't think they care about do you think they care about that? I don't think they care what the the chatter is, but what I do think they care about is internally in, in the locker room. If they're like guys, and I think you could say this of every NBA team, right? Guys will buy in if it leads to winning, right? If it's, if the sacrifice is not leading to winning, then all of a sudden you get, you get big
2: problems. Totally. Totally. Look, let's just do the quick math right now, right? You get 240 minutes to go around 48 in each position. You're going to get 48 minutes of centers at center. So swipe swipe that away. Let's say you get 36 from Randall.
1: I've done this bad so many times. I think you get to
2: 124 or 125 or 126. W- what are those numbers? I was gonna 55. say 36 for Randall and 36 for Brunson. I'll confirm that. You're right down, now. you're down to 120 minutes for for five players, which is 24 minutes a game on average for five players. 24. There you go. If RJ is gonna play 35 minutes like a starter. If he's going to play the 35 minutes that he averages, now you're down to 85 minutes for Grimes, for DiVincenzo, for Quickly, for uh, who's the last guy? And Josh Hart. Josh Hart. Like, who, who, by the way, averaged how many minutes after he came here last year? <laughs> a million. 31? Right 32? Fine. So now we'll say Josh Hart gets his 31. Now we're down there to 54 for three dudes. That's 18 minutes a game. Quickly yeah. is second and sixth man of the year. You're not going to play him 30 minutes? Okay, great. Now you got twenty four minutes left for for two players, and now okay, Grimes averaged twenty nine point nine last year, so we're gonna get another thirty. All right, we're down to negative six minutes. Oh, and they gave ten million dollars to Dante Divincenzo, and they're not gonna play him twelve minutes a game. Which and they're certainly not gonna play him negative six minutes a game because that's not possible. He's gonna be going back in time. So let's say Divincenzo plays plays twenty two. Or twenty, let's even say twenty-four, and now you are at negative thirty minutes. Like you got to find thirty minutes, so now you got to chop off thirty minutes of this thing. So you take you take ten off of RJ and take five off of Grimes and you take five off of Hart, and you know now it's like you are still not even there. Like you still got to be chopping into stuff.
1: What I'm cur- so t- two things. One, this is why I started off the off season by not predicting, but like saying. I thought pretty clearly that they would make a two for one trade. I didn't think there was any, I, because again, especially considering DiVincenzo was going to be signed all the whole while. We knew he was going to be signed. Was always going to lead to this. Now that that hasn't happened, that I'm assuming this is the roster that's going to go into the season. Um, now that that hasn't happened, I wonder if they're going to do something that they've. I don't think they've ever really done under Tibbs, which is like if a guy's like a little nicked up, you know. Do they, are they more inclined to sit guys? And I I don't know. I I don't know if you have an opinion on that.
2: I don't know the answer. I don't know. I I would assume no, because I would assume no too. Hmm. That's just not how they operate. No, but I haven't specifically asked anybody that question. So I couldn't tell you with a hundred percent certainty, but based on the way they generally operate based on the personalities of their players, personalities of Randall and Barrett and brunson those guys hate rest days they hate them and tibbs hates them and it's just like oh, does he I don't know. <laughs> really just... if everyone involved hates them yeah. and these guys generally stay healthy like tibbs always says you you prepare your body to play the amount that you want it to play so like julius last summer Mm. goes into last summer and transforms his body, right? Just spends all summer working on not necessarily being even in just in better shape, but being in different shape. Like he was focusing on stamina, right? That was a huge thing for him. And it's not a coincidence that Duke played 77 consecutive games to start the year after that. Now I'm not saying that's going to happen every single time, but he prepared his body to play the amount that he wanted it to play, which was the whole damn season. And the only thing that kept him out was a a freak injury of him rolling his ankle, right? Which could happen to anybody at any time. So I, I, I those guys take that specific kind of approach. It's not a coincidence that the Knicks think that way, and they go after players and keep players and hold on to players who think that way too. And it's not a coincidence that when they bring in players who in their formative years, you know, rubs off on those players. So I I think, you know, I think Dante DiVincenzo seems to be like that in terms of his personality, though. I don't know him. I think Josh Hart is like that. Brunson's like that. Like, I just, I think it's hard to tell players they're not going to play when they're healthy, even when your organization is all in on that strategy. (laughs) <laughs> and, and when your organization is like, kind of like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. We should maybe do it. Get somebody else some playing time. I don't know. I just think it's, I would guess, I would guess no.
1: Um, That would, that would be my guess as well. Let, I, I want to finish up just by touching on it quickly because you've, I feel like you've been just all over every aspect of Emmanuel quickly uh, in terms of his situation on the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Uh lately over the summer, you've you've talked a lot about the contract. I think you've pretty consistently said, correct me if I'm wrong, you've pretty consistently said you do think an extension will get done before the season. Is that right?
2: I don't know if I'd phrase it that way. I would say that I think there's a better than 50% chance that okay. an extension gets well, that, done.
1: All right. So then so quickly we should mention you're uh someone who's you've been on a guest on his pod several times. Uh Zach Lowe had quick and his five most intriguing players list today, which is I think a, an honor. Although Obi was on it last season, I don't know how that worked out for Obi. Um, I I am I am also intrigued by quickly. I also my guess all along has been four years, ninety plus incentives. If you had to again offer your opinion, this is Fred Katz's opinion. Uh, at this point, we are now how many days away from the first preseason game? Five. Okay. Uh, th- three part question. Do you think he gets done before the season? If so do you care to gauge wager a guess as to when before the season it gets done? And then what do you think it'll be for?
2: I would say more likely than not, it gets done. Okay. I would say if it gets done, it gets done right up against the deadline.
1: Oh, okay. This is interesting.
2: Uh, and just when in doubt in the NBA, just guess it happens right before the deadline. It's crazy. Like they, the NBA is just Filled to the brim with procrastinators. Like I, I call, I spoke to somebody in Portland. All right, after the Dame trade, and I'm asking, like, how quickly this come together? They're like, really quickly. Like, it really came together. We had not spoken on Milwaukee, and and it came together real, real quick. And I was like, so why didn't you guys do this like two months ago? He's like, well, training camp's coming up. You know, in a couple of days. I was like. I was like, so you couldn't have just done this like two months ago? He's like, deadlines, man. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to do anything until the deadline. And then the deadline comes and it's like, okay, I guess we got to do something now. Like That's why people are like, how come trades only happen right before the trade deadline? How come trades so rarely happen in December and January? And it's like, well, because they're just. Filled with procrastinators. And that's why. And it's because when your teacher says the paper is due on Friday, no one turns it in Wednesday. And if you do turn it in Wednesday, you know what happens? Everybody hates you for being this. <laughs> so You just turn it in Friday. And that is what the NBA is like. So when in doubt, guess it happens like right up against the deadline. I think the deadline for him to sign his extension is October 23rd. The day before the the regular season starts. Yeah. It's the, it's the day before the regular season starts. not in. So I think, I think it's October 23rd. So I'm going to guess it happens on like the 21st or 22nd or
1: 23rd. Which is not by the way, for anybody who may not pay attention to this stuff, that's Kind of the norm-ish, right? For non-max.
2: Yeah, okay. like 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 a Devin Fassell situation where Devin Fassell just extended a, a couple of days ago mm-hmm. and he's in the same position as quickly. That that's actually kind of rare. Like normally you see extensions maybe get done in July and then there's just like a break in August and September. Mm-hmm. And then stuff resumes in October, and then maybe you get something done. There are a bunch of guys mm-hmm. who you know, sign their extensions on October twenty something. It happens last year, I think I think Brandon Clark his extension must have gotten in sixteen seconds before the deadline. Like it just it just happens all the time. And Brandon Clark got a a very friendly four year fifty something million dollar deal. Like it's not like, oh okay, you just take some like you you still get paid your market value a lot of those times. So so that's why I said in, in the most recent Quickly quickly Extension story that I wrote, like I said, like there's nothing to be concerned about if you want the Knicks to extend quickly. There's nothing to be concerned about with the timing on this right now. Uh, it's just sometimes this is just how it goes. Okay. Three-part question that I'm now answering. Look, you ask a long part question. Three. It's going to be a long answer. Part three is what's the number? Yeah.
1: Years number, whatever you want to throw four
2: in there. four for ninety is good. That's a good number. I I'm gonna I'm gonna deviate from you.
1: Okay.
2: I'ma say five for one oh five. Huh. No options? I mean, if he's getting five years, then he's he's not getting a player option if he gets five years. Five yeah, for one oh five five for one Oh five. Yeah. No options because I don't think quickly is going to want, I don't think quickly would want a team option that last year. Cause if he, if he can become like an awesome max guy or something, or even just better than that, and there's a much higher cap, he'd want to get out. I'm going five one Oh five.
1: I hope, I hope it comes. I hope that's what it is. That would make me <laughs> really happy.
2: I, I just, there are new extension rules now.
1: I, as we saw with Devin Vassell, you don't have to get a max to do the fi-
2: the fifth year. Exactly. You can give anybody a fifth year on a rookie-scale extension now. It didn't used to be that. used to be it had to be a max. And I don't know why the Knicks wouldn't want to lock up quickly Oh, I, for five I years.
3: I think
1: they would. I was in My four-year prediction, the, the biggest question that I have in my mind is whether he would push for a fourth-year player option in that scenario. I, I just quickly feels to me like a bet on myself type of guy and he also feels like I mean he's said on the record he wants to start eventually so if he thinks of himself as a guy who's going to start whether it's in New York or somewhere else eventually I would imagine he thinks he's going to do pretty well as an NBA starter and you go look at what your average NBA starting point guard makes and it's it's probably the max or something close to the max because like most of these guys are max max ish guys Um, I don't know Um, that's very possible
2: that's very yeah. possible. The, what 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 the reason I said sometimes man players are just like oh my goodness a 100 million dollar contract? That one. The one You got to the magic Wait, wait, it's not an eight figure contract. It's a nine figure contract. And I genuinely believe, I really do. I know these the these players are competitive as hell and they are confident as hell and they are ambitious and and in a lot of ways, you and I can't relate to the way they think because they are so unbelievably competitive because you have to be that level of competitive and confident in order to get to where they've gotten. And I recognize that. And they also have usually fantastic business people who are running their business side of things. And a five-year contract would mean quickly becomes a free agent at at what, 29? And, and maybe uh, he would want to... Going into his ninth year, so he,
1: he could get a ninth yeah. a ninth uh, year, or the nine plus year max. Yeah, which I'm really
2: thinking about that, but and so I understand I understand all of that. I really do. I also think that the money in the NBA is so ridiculous now that players are just gonna look like. Sometimes I think we do a bad job as NBA media, as NBA fans, and you've said everybody before. else separating. What is a good business decision within the NBA economy? And what is a good business decision in the real life economy? Yeah, a $105 million contract in the NBA is not what it used to be, but a $105 million contract in real life is still really freaking good. So sometimes you might just want to say, screw it. $105 million? Give me $105 million. My goodness that's that's setting my family up for me and my family up for generations I'll never have to do anything well, ever it, again
1: it, uh, it, it depends uh, and, and how and so, your spending habits are but yes
2: and the reason I said 105 is because Julius Randall without his incentives was 106 and RJ without his incentives was 107 so I thought 105 sounded like a good a good uh, number wh- to get spicy and uh Jalen Bronson 104, I believe. 104. Oh, right. So maybe quickly would be one oh. You know what? 103. Well, I guess Brunson was four years. So 105. Yeah,
1: but so were RJ and, and Randall. So
2: I know that. I know yeah. that. But I, I, I like I like 104, 105. I feel like we're going for a straight, you know? You got 104, <laughs> 105, 106, and 107. So I'm going five for 105. I think that's kind of like a missing, a missing piece right there. You get that I, up. And then and then somebody. Can have a breakout year in the next 108 or or 103 next year? And they're
1: good. Uh, I don't know what the number is going to be. And as you say, we, we shouldn't assume that it is going to be signed. But I do know um, if it's not signed, it makes trading Emmanuel quickly next summer a little bit more complicated, um, which is. So, something else maybe we should be keeping in the back of our minds.
2: Yep, for um, sure. And and for what it's worth, you know, one of the things that happens with the extension is when you sign the extension, it's just really complicated for, for really nerdy salary CBA reasons. It's really complicated to trade him this season because the extension this doesn't kick in until next season. So, for the 23-24 season, it'll be difficult to extend him. or to, I'm sorry. It'll be difficult to, to trade him. Trade him. Uh, however... I think the Knicks is organizationally are or they've been waiting on that star. I think they think it's more likely that a big name is is coming up next summer than like at this trade deadline. And so you extend quickly now, you get him as one of those larger but not max still like mid range not mid level but mid range salary in that Fournier camp in that RJ camp and you could put him and RJ together and right there like you're there so so i think that's i think that's that's something i consider as well
1: whoever could you be talking about as a tweet just came up on my my thing here uh updated odds on where james harden begins the season clippers minus 180 his current team <laughs> 36ers plus 140. So there we go. Um, Fred Katz, I have to go eat dinner. Um, you are a magical human being. Uh, and, uh, I am glad you're getting to have fun in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, Anything you want to say before we get out of here?
2: Absolutely nothing. I, I, I can't believe that Andrew, uh, didn't make me change my name. I can't believe that Andrew didn't comment on the fact that that I we we have these supers on the video. I can't believe Andrew didn't comment on the fact that I started the show uh, with my name being uh, John Halama's Mama's Pajamas and then and changed it midway through to Wilmer Val Wil- Wilmer Valderrama's Mama's Pajamas. And I can't I can't believe Andrew hasn't commented on that. I'm just shocked that he hasn't gone out of his way to ruin all the fun in this podcast. So I'm. I'm Thank
0: you. Not all, just some when I eventually redirected the plane, but, you know, Andrew Andrew
1: likes fun. I'm the one who hates fun. I do like Um, fun. I also like it when you guys talk about the Knicks. This was good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Fred. It's been a pleasure.
2: That that Isaiah Stewart extension, huh? (laughs) Speaking of extensions.
1: Everybody go subscribe to The Athletic. I'm sure they're having some kind of deal right now. They always are. It's-
2: We're the Joseph A. Bank of subscription journalism. So come on down. Buy one suit, get the whole subscription free.
1: <laughs> and Fred Katz is, is as good a suit as they have in their closet. Um, but yes, you get all the other suits as well as Fred Katz when you buy the subscription to The Athletic. guests, you do. Sign you all get the everything. way off. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode
2: <laughs> it's I like, love, you just I love, like every time <laughs> John what how would this podcast exist without Andrew it would just be what farmers. would happen uh, it'd be uh,
1: fine. thank would you everybody <laughs> shut up <laughs> thank you everybody for listening <laughs> to another episode of the next film school podcast we'll be back with more funny games very soon peace out